Hey Seinfeld fans, we've got lots of really cool things we're planning for Bask in the future. That's right, we're growing and evolving. And to help us in that process, we're asking you to take literally two minutes to answer a really small survey that we've set up. That's right, if you head to the link that's in our show notes of the podcast, we'd really, really appreciate it. We sure would. And uh, thanks so much for your support. And now on to this week's episode. geometry knowing all the angles when to make that first turn and then when to swing it back in that's the key. you just park it already there's nothing i can even impart to you that's the sad thing it's so inborn but i don't want to be a secondary character Folks, welcome to another episode of But I Don't Want to Be a Secondary Character. This is a podcast about the greatest sitcom of all time, but it's a bit different to the, uh, you know, the other Seinfeld podcasts. We actually take a random episode from a season of Seinfeld and we talk about the secondary characters. My name's Ivan. And I'm Stephen. And uh, it's good to have you back again, mate. Yeah, it's good to be uh, back to uh, normality. Yeah. Last week we had Stacey on, which was a nice, uh, I guess, cushion for yeah. me to land Softly back into Seinfeld. Yeah, and thank you so much, Stacey, for being with us the last couple of weeks. It's always good when she's on. So, oh, it's always great. Yeah, it always just takes it up a level. Yeah, definitely. So, she's like the intellect, and we're just the the two monkeys. Yeah, we go from from <laughs> uh, you know two guys who can barely run their own lives to two guys <laughs> who can barely run their own lives, and a woman who's got a shit together. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Very good. If you want to listen to us, you can find us pretty much yeah anywhere. Any. Um, you know, podcast platform, whatever. We're on social media. All those links are in the show notes. Uh, you can support us financially if you want on Patreon and PayPal. And uh, but I'd like to thank our current Patreon subscribers, Ollie, Nakia, and Tim. Um, so if you want to join them and, uh, you know, get some bonus goodies, extra episodes, as well as uh, early access to weekly episodes, uh, go to patreon.com forward slash bidwabask. All those links are in the show notes. Yeah, recently on Patreon, uh, last week we actually did a review of Joker. Yeah, that's right. We're starring Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. Uh, Something so if you want to, Yeah, if you want to hear our thoughts on that, go back and listen. And the previous episode to that, which was actually uh, Ivan and Stacey, who we just mentioned, uh, was uh, made up plots of what we thought the plots of five fictional Seinfeld films would be. Yeah, I know. That was so fun, man. Like, yeah. That was such a great episode. I listened back to it the other day. And I was really wrapped. Like, it was just so good. Stacey and I just had a ball. Yeah, no, it was really good. Yeah, it was really, really good. I, I felt like I was a fan listening because <laughs> I wasn't part of it, even though it was my idea. Yeah. I wasn't here for the recording of it. Uh, yeah, I felt just like a, a random listener listening to it. So, it was yeah. really, really cool. Uh, really cool, man. And so, you can get those and other bonus episodes uh, on Patreon. So, uh, yeah, all good. Anyway, Seinfeld-isms. The, that's the intersection of Seinfeld and real life. So, Stephen, uh, you had a really poignant Seinfeldism last week, uh, obviously, with the events of, that transpired. Uh, do you have anything a bit more... Or, uh, I don't know, uplifting, exciting? Uh, yeah, actually. So, uh, as a part-time job, I do a bit of Uber driving. Ah, there you go. And yesterday, uh, without being too detailed for the sake of privacy, I picked up a rider named Elaine. So Great. That's pretty cool. So, Elaine isn't a really common name that you come across in day-to-day life? No. Well, my, my fiance's grandmother's name is Elaine. That's so. right. Yeah, yeah. you told me that before. Yeah, yeah. I think um, I had said that in a Seinfeldism once. Yeah, probably yeah. a week when you had no others. You're like, you just keep that in reserve. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yep. <laughs> this is what happened. Yep. Yes. Actually, Elaine was in reference to your uh, previous Seinfeldism from last Yeah, time. so Elaine, you know, like JLD, yeah. always in my life. Always in your life. The the other woman in your life. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you? Uh, no, nothing this week, oh. unfortunately. Nothing exciting. Damn. Uh, Seinfeld News. How many bits do you have 
this uh, week? Three bits this okay, week. Uh, and keeping with the JLD theme, uh, this week she was honoured uh, as Icon of the Year at the annual InStyle Awards. Fantastic. Uh, it was held on October 21st in LA. Uh, and normally she's honoured for her sort of comedic talents or acting talents. But, uh, you know, if you look back through photos, if you just do a Google image search of Julie Louis-Dreyfus, she's quite a stylish woman. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, even Elaine's fashion on Seinfeld is considered quite influential. Um, you know, even though she just wears sort of like normcore clothing, uh, you could say that it has an influence on current fashion for sure. Kind of like George and Jerry's. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, so it makes sense that she was honoured, you know, for a uh, like a fashion magazine yeah. rather than a, a an acting or a, or a comedic kind of organisation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, those uh, those long dresses with the uh, the shoes they're uh, they're an iconic look for Elaine. Remember, like you know, like seasons one to four, Elaine. You know that gear that she'd wear. With, yeah, a bit more like yeah. bookish. Bookish, yeah, yeah, definitely. a bit more nerdy. Yeah, and she sort of sexualized out a bit more. She did, and she had curly hair. That's right, <laughs> which worked yeah. really well. Uh, the second bit of news is again one of the uh, actors from Seinfeld being honoured. So Jason Alexander will this week be inducted into the New Jersey Hall of Fame under the performing arts category. So it was initially announced uh, that he was an inductee, I think, back in March or April. I think you actually... the ceremony is happening this week. Yeah, I think from memory you actually mentioned this as a Seinfeld News segment when he was first announced to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So there you yeah. go. So he's actually being inducted. Uh, yeah, so he was announced that he was being inducted, but the actual ceremony itself is taking place, I think, this week or oh, next week. Great, great. Yeah. Um, yeah, and if uh, I, you know, if they show footage of it, I'll, uh, I'll watch it and let you know what... Uh, what happens, <laughs> whether he even attends. Oh, I'm sure he will. Yeah. You know. Yep. It's quite an honour. Yeah, I guess so. Mm. Well, I'm, yeah. I just think of Jason Alexander as a bit more classy than like a tacky Hall of Fame's uh, induction. I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Anyway. He's, uh, he's a very politically minded kind of guy. If you follow him on Twitter, he's got a lot of political opinions. But uh, no, I'm pretty sure like... You know, he'd, he'd probably have the honour to go, I'd imagine. Yeah, I guess yeah. he's quite a respectful person, so that's yeah, true. That's true. Uh, the third bit of news, and uh, it's a bit of a bummer. So the uh, comedy club that Jerry Seinfeld, amongst many others, got their start at, uh, it's called Comic Strip Live. Comic oh. Strip Live, I should say. Mm-hmm. That's in New York, right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, is at risk of closing down. Jerry has to buy it. Yeah, well... <laughs> Uh, is, that, if, is that leading into the next part of the news? Well, it's kind of related, um, and I was going to get that, get to that, but um, I may as well talk about it now. The Sorry. I, is, no, 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 it's I, all good. I haven't read the article. I, I had no idea this was happening. So yeah. This is well, all new to me. No, no, no. It's only kind of related to Jerry, not just because he got his start there, but uh, in the recent uh, season of Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee, he does an episode with Eddie Murphy, and he talks about you know whether Eddie Murphy would return to stand-up comedy, and they started talking about how they both got their start at Comic Strip Live. Yeah. And I think Eddie Murphy made a joke about, um, you know, if you bought Comic Strip Live, I'd feel comfortable enough to re-enter comedy. Oh, great! And Jerry was like, "Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll, st- I'll, I'll, I'll buy it and I'll rename it. Uh, I think Jerry, Se- Jerry Seinfeld's Comic Strip. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Um, something like that. Um, but anyway, the the nightclub itself is at risk of clothing because apparently the wife of the uh, current, o- sorry, the wife who's a widow of one of the former owners. So right. one of the former owners died. Uh huh. Yeah. Um. She is, and I'm guessing the ownership went to her. Yeah, according yeah. to his will. Yeah, uh, she's currently in a legal battle with the uh, well, the current business partners, formerly formerly her husband's. Um, she's claiming that they're not uh, doing like proper accounting practices. Oh boy! Um, and they basically let it like turn into a bit of a shithole. They hired a sniffing accountant by mistake. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Who more the money out of there to sniff cocaine? Yeah, that's right, <laughs> Mister Profit. Yeah, <laughs> that was so. His name. 
So she's basically claiming that they're running it into the ground and that they're doing dodgy accounting practices. Um, and uh, as part of the the the, the lawsuit, um, it might be shut down. Oh no! Yeah, oh, so it'd be a bit of a bummer. Oh man! Oh well, hopefully Jerry can come to the rescue and uh, buy it up. Yeah, or do something. Yeah, I think so. He's got enough. He can use some of that sweet, sweet uh, Netflix money. <laughs> yeah. Or it might not come through for a few years, but oh. he's still got some cash. Yeah, he, he's, he's worth a billion dollars, I think, now. Well, or yeah. close to it. Close to. I yeah. don't think it's been paid for Netflix yet. I think that'll happen when the contract executes in, what is it, 2021? Uh, probably, yeah. Yeah, something yeah. like that. Fair enough. Uh, that's all the Seinfeld news for the week. Very good, mate. Shall we just jump straight into the plot for the uh, parking space? Sounds good. Yeah, season three, episode 22. Actually, did we even mention we were doing the parking space? I don't think start? we did. Well, we're doing we the parking did. space. Well, you can read it in the show notes and stuff anyway. But yes, this is the parking space, season three, episode 22. And Stephen, when I was doing my notes, I was actually really worried because there's actually another season three episode, the parking Garage, Were and you I worried was like, that I was one like, of us watched the wrong episode. Yeah, I was thinking to myself, "Oh man, I hope I told Stephen it was the parking space." Well, we got a spreadsheet, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was all there. It'd be like, my shit, own fault. Shit. Yeah, it's okay. I was like, "Shit, shit, shit." That'd make for an interesting episode. Me actually watching one and you not, and you coming up with the characters, or maybe you like watching the episode as we do in the podcast. You know, and you're like you're like doing live commentary on the characters. That'd be something different. <laughs> yeah, there'd probably be some copyright well, issues there, but you know, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. No one sued us yet. Yeah. Anyway, a plot synopsis for the episode: uh, first date in the United States, April twenty second, nineteen ninety two. Directed by Tom Sharones, written by Larry David and Greg Daniels. In this episode, coming from an outing to a flea market in New Jersey, uh, Elaine and George damage Jerry's car when George drives over a large pothole. There's this clanking noise. <laughs> You got to tell Jerry about the clanking. What? Me? You're so good at that. So good at that. When they get to his apartment, they conveniently find a parking space right in front of Jerry's building. As George tries to back in, someone tries to take the spot by driving in nose first. And this is the first appearance of Mike Moffat. He's played by Lee Arenberg. And uh, we talked about him in the Susie as well. He's yeah. in season seven's The Susie. Yep. Yes. Uh, with neither car able to park, it leads to an all day argument. Elaine, meanwhile, has to come up with a story about the damage to the car. Uh, those teenagers with the gun and uh, chasing after George and Elaine. I love that story. I I love how Elaine just like explains it to Jerry and then Jerry just feels so bad for them. And then Elaine's like, oh, by the way, we ran to a pothole and there's some clanking noise in your car. As long as you're okay, it's fine. I was was confused how Jerry got onto George straight away. How he got on. I think because it it happened at nighttime. Mm. At nighttime, Jerry realized it. He was he probably like after all the bickering and arguing during the day, he probably thought, "Oh no, this is ridiculous." You know, that that's probably my guess. Okay. Yeah. What so you think uh, he, he initially believed Elaine and then as he thought about it he started to doubt it? Yeah, of course. I think okay. so. He's like, "Why would teenagers target you?" Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess he once once he got over the initial shock of uh, you know, his friends being in such trouble. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Um and yeah, it's quite uh, this episode's actually quite secondary character rich, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, um, some secondary characters in this episode besides uh, Mike Moffat. Uh, Wayne Knight is Newman in this episode. He makes an appearance at the end. Uh, Jay Brooks plays Sid. He's in a couple of episodes of the show. Uh, Shannon Cochran plays Sheila. She's the lady who uh, flirts with George before, uh, you know, how Newman's trying to wear George's hat. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's her. Uh, Meredith Burrell plays Mother. John Christian Grass plays Matthew, the little boy. Uh, Michael Costanza, he's actually a friend of uh, Jerry Seinfeld's, I believe, uh, and he's the inspiration, obviously, to George's surname. Uh, he plays a truck driver. And the two cops at the end of the episode, Mike Screeber and Stan Sellers, are those characters. 
What do you reckon? Should we take a quick break and uh, talk about some episode trivia and some secondaries? Sounds good. Hello, folks. Matt McCoy here, a.k.a. Lloyd Braun from Seinfeld. And I'm telling you right now, I do not want to be a secondary character. Today we're talking about the parking space from season three. That is the twenty-second episode, and we did a plot synopsis just before. And uh, I just have a few trivia notes, Stephen, about the episode. Uh, what do you have? Yeah, I've only got three. One you've kind of already mentioned, so two <laughs> yeah. and a half, really. Yeah, yeah. Yes, I did mention this before the break, Steve. Uh, Jerry Seinfeld's college friend Michael Costanza, whose last name was used for George, appears as an angry truck driver. So yeah. he's the one with the truck full of. I ice got a truck full of ice cream here. <laughs> Typical angry New Yorker. Yeah, so good. But one of you has to move the car. I got a truck full of ice cream, ice cream here. here. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, we'll talk a bit about uh, him when we get to his character. Yeah, great, great. Uh, what, what trivia do you have? Yeah, so the main story uh, of the episode, uh, George and his battle for the parking space uh, with Mike, was inspired by a similar incident uh, which happened to the father uh, of the episode writer, uh, Greg Daniels. Yeah, that's yeah, right. So I can imagine, you know, two angry New York guys trying to... <laughs> You know, win a parking space. What's your take on the debate? Are you for reverse parallel parking or are you into like going head first when you parallel park? What's well, your I'm take? A, I'm reversing because that's sort of the way you learn. Yeah, that's right. That's how you learn. But there's too, no yeah. correct way. Yeah. The, like, Jerry says, the car- yeah, like Jerry says, the only way you go head first is when you do a bank job. Yeah. <laughs> or when you've got 10 spaces. Yeah, 10 spaces in front. Yeah. I'm uh, so, so you think reverse parking is the way to go? Well, I don't think there's a correct way, but as long as you park the car in the space and it's not unsafe, then it doesn't really matter. Okay, fair I enough. mean, it, it, you know, it ends in the same results. Yeah, so. I have to go with George for that one, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. I guess it's the most common way, um, but I would, you know, if I was pulling up to a space and there was a car, even if it was just sort of floating there, if it was two or three spaces up and it has it has its on or its brake lights or its reverse lights, yeah. I would expect that it is parking yeah. and, and that something is delaying it. I wouldn't be like, well, they're not moving, so therefore it's mine. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's that t- like that New York attitude, I yeah. guess. You know, well, like, rush like Elaine says, you yeah. know, people in the city kill for a parking space. Yeah, they do. You know, we don't have to have that sort of stress in Melbourne, even though it can be a bit stressful trying to find a parking space in Melbourne. Yeah. Certainly, certainly nothing like New York. Nothing like New York. Parking spaces over there are like hen's teeth. Very yeah. rare. Yeah. <laughs> Just put it in a garage. <laughs> the fight's about to start. Start. Um, yeah, and so the only other trivia episode, uh, trivia fact rather that I have, um, the street scenes were actually filmed outdoors with a live audience sitting in the bleachers, and apparently the audience had trouble hearing the dialogue because there was no sound system. Yeah, and they didn't mean for the filming to cross over in tonight, but it kind of worked out well. It did very well because it makes it, yeah, it kind of shows that the whole argument went for the whole day. Yeah, yeah, it actually worked out really well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna assume it started like mid afternoon. Yeah, you know, like yeah. by the time uh, George and Elaine came back from the flea market. And, you know, fights are usually late afternoon or evening, I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, if there was a bit of a time delay, maybe it was like six or seven o'clock in Vegas. Oh, who knows? Know, and maybe four o'clock in New York or something like that. Yeah, assuming the fight's in Vegas. Or... Oh, no, no. I think, isn't New York oh, yeah, Vegas? It's, actually, it's the other way around. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, anyway yeah. <laughs> so, I, I imagine uh, the the the, the uh, parking space incident would have happened over a course of like at least six hours. Yeah, probably. You know, three in the afternoon till, you know, nine at night. Because yeah. it even looks pretty late. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Um, 
I'd yeah. probably say maybe early evening. But yeah. yeah. Who do you reckon would have won in the end? Do you reckon George? The boxing match or the parking space? <laughs> well, either. <laughs> no, the parking space. Well, uh, I don't know. I think Mike Moffat, I, we'll talk about him in a minute, but I think he's a really temperament, like really angry guy. And yeah. I think he would have done everything. Because you hear um, when Jerry, um, not to go too far ahead in the episode, but when you hear Jerry go in and you hear George and uh, Mike bicker, you know, when he's about to close the window, he goes, I'm unemployed. I don't have a job. Neither do I. You got to go to the bathroom sometime, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I think um, Mike, he's just a really angry guy. And I think eventually he probably would have attacked George or, you know, something would have happened. Okay. Who do you think eventually won it? Uh, Look, I always equate people who are angry or short-tempered with impatience. Yeah. And You think he would have driven off? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, even though he was quite stubborn because he thought he had the right of way, I think his anger and impatience would have gotten the better of him. Fair enough. Yeah. And even though he says he has no job, I'm going to assume he is less of a loser than George in yeah, terms of yeah. like social obligations. Yeah. So he probably would have eventually had something to do, even though he didn't have a job to go to. Whereas George, you know, he's single. I mean, he's near his friend's house anyway. Yeah, that's right. You know, yeah. all of his social life is at Jerry's apartment, which is across the road. <laughs> that's right. So, yeah, and, and no one is more stubborn and petty than George. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I'm going to give this one to George. Fair enough. Anyway, let's talk about Mike while we're at it, I suppose. Yeah. All right, let's talk about some secondary characters. Mike was played by character actor Lee Arenberg. He's appeared in the Pirates of the Caribbean films, uh, as well as Waterworld, that blockbuster by Kevin Costner, <laughs> and uh, the TV shows Action, Californication, and Once Upon a Time. Uh, he does appear again in a later season, well, uh, season seven or season eight episode, the Susie. Yeah, later episode. Yeah, which we talked about a while ago, and uh, yeah, we did talk about him in the context of that episode. Um, but I w- kind of held off he- the events of the parking space, obviously, when we talked about him in the Susie. I it almost feels like a different character. It always does, doesn't it? He's more of a reformed kind of guy. But I guess we can talk about him in the context of this episode, so I I think, obviously, he's a really angry person, mm. has massive anger management issues. Um, he believes he was in the right for the car space because he thought George was too far ahead. He had no idea that he was going to reverse in. And um, he talks about people behind their backs. I think you mentioned that he didn't have a job or mm. you know he's less of a loser than George. I think he's probably an aspiring stand-up comic. Oh, and okay. I think he's jealous of Jerry. I think he's jealous of Jerry being successful. And you know how, well, in Australia, we have a thing called tall poppy syndrome where if you see, like, poppies are like a flower grown in Australia. Yeah, they're like a long stem flower. A long stem red flower, yeah. And and the thing is, in Australia, um, people who, like, succeed, you know, in other countries, people are proud of your success. Whereas in Australia, they seem to get really jealous and they really say nasty things. They do nasty things. I don't know. It's just they get really jealous. Yeah, I mean, there's jealousy along with anyone's success, but... On a national, uh, like a broader public scale in other countries, especially like America, yeah. you know, which is all about exceptionalism, yeah, uh, you know, they seem to sort of almost deify their celebrities and sports people, anyone who's like making a lot of money and at the top of their game. Yeah. But in Australia, there's this sort of like cultural insecurity. It sure is, yeah. And I, it's I don't just know where like, it come from. It's come yeah, from, and it's yeah. not that we shit on, like we, we, we deify sports stars as well, but it's very conditional. Yeah. And, and if it, it's, it's this fine line between putting them on the pedestal uh, that is probably, you know, too much sort of like worship. Yeah. But if they misstep or if they do something... Or one thing goes wrong. Then, then we just cut them down to yeah, size. Or it. we think they need to be cut down to size. Yeah, for sure. Um, so it seems to be this sort of like, yeah, this godlike worship, but on the condition that they don't, that they act like a god, that they're not human who can't make mistakes yeah. or say dumb things or, you know, misstep or whatever. Yeah, and that's what I think Mike's association with Jerry is. Right. I think Jerry's like the tall poppy. And I think Mike wants to cut him down. Oh. So he calls him like a phony behind his back. And he probably thinks, oh, Jerry, he's a shit comedian, even though he's one of the, you know, in real life, Jerry's one of the 
greatest comedians of all time. You know, the the real Jerry, I mean. Yeah. Probably not, you know, fictional Jerry's probably not the funniest. Um, But I, I think uh, Mike's really jealous of him and he thinks, why did this phony become so successful? You know, okay. he's no good. He's overrated. And, you know, he's too, he doesn't have the guts because he's probably worried that Jerry has contacts in the industry. So, you know, if Mike shits all over Jerry, you know, then Jerry will say, well, I know people. I'll just make sure you don't performing clubs or, you know, whatever. You don't get okay. as many gigs, that sort of thing. So I think Mike's really worried that he'll be treading on eggshells if he confronts Jerry. Because mm. he's a typically angry person, and we see him get angry and yell at George. Yep. So Mike has the ability to confront people. I just think he's got a kind of thing where he doesn't want to ruffle Jerry's feathers. Otherwise, yeah, there might be consequences willing, with his career. He's only willing to confront people if he has nothing to lose. That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah, perfect. You summarized it perfectly. Yeah. Yep. No, I, I think that's a pretty good take. Yeah. I think his style of comedy would be... You know, like kind of like a Bill Hicksy, yes, um, very you know, blue like, I'm, comedy. I'm, well, yeah. not just not just the subject matter, but the style of delivery would just be: I am angry at the world. Yes. And I'm going to rant about the world. Yes, there's some jokes in there, but it's more about just him saying how fucked he thinks the world is. I can imagine him just screaming into a microphone for thirty minutes. Yeah, ah, that's yeah. Just, that's one of his bits. Yeah, <laughs> I think there would be some jokes in there because he, yeah. he, he seems like a you know a fairly intelligent, observant sort of guy. Yeah, but yeah, I think it would mostly just be. I'm ranting about the world because mm-hmm. I'm an angry dude. Comedy, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, which is you know, which is a thing, and it was definitely a thing in the '90s. Oh, sure, it was you know, yeah. with a sort of like Gen X jadedness about the world and that sort of subtle nihilism. Yeah, you know, everything's fucked. Everything's geared against us. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to rant about it. I think yeah. you'd fit in with that sort of <laughs> I don't give a shit comedic, comedic style. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's a good take. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and. But he's quite two-faced. I mean, he's very two-faced. You know, he's he sort of overcompensates when Jerry tells that joke about the the, the about brand. the brand. Yeah, yeah. And how much brand he uh, less yeah. Brand and Jerry uses, and yeah. Jerry doesn't look especially fit, but he's like, "Hey, man, you look incredible. Have you been working out or whatever?" And he then says? Jerry says that really like Just, a joke, which will probably give you a light chuckle. Yeah. But then I think Mike does that to kind of satisfy Jerry. Yeah. You know, to kind of say, "Hey, Jerry, I'm on your your side." You know. You know, just to try and appease him. Yeah, that's and what I mean. But he's, he's got his career. Yeah, but he's got his career in the back of his head. Yeah, he's like shit. Jerry's big time. I better not piss him off. Otherwise, he could. You know, you know, things could happen. Yeah, you know, to I, his career. I, to me, it demonstrates insecurity because Jerry. Uh, I think he's so uh, wrapped up with trying to use Jerry that he it kind of blinds him from the fact that Jerry's pretty perceptive. I mean, that's his whole, you know, comedic style. Is, of course, you know, perception of the little things and making jokes out of them. And Jerry's not dumb, so he's going to be able to see through that uh, that two faced sort of interaction. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I don't know. I don't really like him. No, I don't like him much either. In this episode, I liked him better in the Susie. Yeah. Actually. Yeah. I think mm. something happened between season three and season eight. Where yeah. He seems a bit more humble. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And you know, he just. I mean, obviously, in that episode, he's the victim of. Oh, he is. You know, it's it's like a series of unfortunate <laughs> of events. Of the car trunk, yeah. Yeah, and trunk, it's almost yeah, like slapstick yeah. comedy. Yeah, but, that's it. That's but it. yeah, he just seems a bit less angry and a bit less arrogant. Yeah. You know, maybe his life's turned around. Like maybe maybe he did get some success as a comedian, and maybe he met someone nice, and you know, things of his life's been on an upswing. So he's a bit more calm and yeah. he's less angry. And you mellow out as you get older as well. That's right. You know. Yeah. So, um, you know, I used to be a lot angrier than I am 10 years ago. I used ne- to be Mike Moffat 10 years ago. Oh, uh, nah. <laughs> it depends. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't get angry over a parking space. I'd be like, eh, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Just go find another one. Just but, move on. Yeah. But you've mellowed out in your uh, older years. I think so. Yeah, very good. Very yeah. good. One thing I was surprised at, because he kind of dresses a bit schlubby. Like, he's not... There's In the very first scene uh, where he pulls up and him and George get out and start arguing, 
it's there's a real close-up shot of his clothes. Oh, yeah. And, and he's got, and like, tracksuit pants yeah. and, like, an old hoodie and stuff like that. Yeah, I think he was just he was just going to, like, Jerry's house. He didn't yeah. have to dress for the occasion. Yeah, and yeah. I, I yeah. am totally a fan of dressing comfortably. Like, yeah. I'm, in a, I'm in footy shorts and bloody Burks. Like, yeah. I'm comfortable as hell, but... And uh, how, long, how long has it been since you kicked a Sharon? What's that, sorry? <laughs> how long has it been since you kicked a Sharon a footy? <laughs> in those shorts. True. <laughs> I thought you said kicked your chair in. I'm like, oh. Uh, you haven't I, done that yet. I don't think so. <laughs> Not yet. Not that I can remember. Uh, yeah, but the fact that he criticizes George about going to the flea market. Yeah. It, it just sort of seemed weird. I'm like, you're not like, like I could understand if he was like a rich, well-dressed dude who thought that flea markets or any, buying anything secondhand was sort of like something you just don't do. Yeah. But the fact that he's like, you went to a flea market? I think though. It, it just seemed a bit yeah. at odds with, yeah. you know, his car, which was like a bit of a dumpy sort of older car. And just his, like, dressing like a slob. I think that's part of the mentality of, like, the 80s and 90s. I think flea markets were associated with, like, real dirt cheap Mm. bric-a-brac kind of trinkets and, you know, really, like, cheap stuff. I think it was seen as, like, real low class, you know, for, like, the serfs. But now, you know, you've got all farmers markets, you've got all these vintage markets. Uh, I'm sure it's similar in the US as well, but in Australia, there's so many of those. And flea markets, like, thrift shops, second-hand stores, they're all, like, real trendy now. Whereas I think back then there was that stigma, like, if you go to a flea market, you're, like, a cheapo. Okay. You you might... No, that's a good point. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Yeah. I thought it was also maybe to do with the fact that he was just trying to... You know, like when you're arguing with someone and maybe you're wrong or maybe the argument's so insignificant, you're just grasping at straws to, like, win the argument? Yeah, I think I regardless, think I think if George and Nalane either went to a flea market or they went to, like, Sears yep. or something, it would have been the same reaction. Yeah, I think you it was just... Sears. I think it was just trying to yeah. hold something against George no. just to, like, win the argument or I win think, the moment. Yeah, I think that's what it was, too. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, Mike, really angry guy. Yeah, I, like I said, I think a stand-up comic who's struggling and, uh, yeah, he... Doesn't admire Jerry as much, but he tries to stay in his good books because he knows Jerry has some clout yep. in the industry and he doesn't want to ruffle the wrong feathers. Mm. Yeah, that's my take. Okay. And eventually he reforms uh, between uh, then and the Susie. Yeah. yeah. I think he uh, met uh, Mike somewhere, maybe at a gig. Yeah. Um, uh, sorry, not Mike. I think he met Kramer. Mike met Kramer. Yeah, yeah. Um, because Kramer's like, oh, I invited my friend Mike. Is that okay if he comes? Yeah. Jerry's like, yeah, yeah, I like Mike. So the way he... Uh, mentions Mike in that scene, it kind of implies that Mike is his friend yeah. and then Jerry met him later. Jerry met him later. Do yeah. you think, so Jerry and Mike, I assume, had a... They were more like acquaintances, but I think they had like a, a, a reasonable friendship. Yeah. You know, like they, they got along. I think they just had a, a professional respect for one another. Yeah, that's it. You know, they're both comedians. They're both just... I mean, even though Jerry's a bit more established, they're still both trying to sort of cut their teeth and... and mm get bigger which and, i think is the goal of any yeah. you know creative person mm. uh yeah and i think it was just a case of you know jerry likes most people unless they've got a physical defect yeah. or unless uh <laughs> you know they do something to to spite him but he's you know he even though he's an asshole he can be quite collegial mm. it's just like oh yeah he's a harmless dude whatever yeah yeah um yeah i don't think jerry would have spent much time thinking about him probably not aside from you know at the fight or if kramer <laughs> mentioned him yeah um yeah so i think it just would have been a He's a comedian. I'm a comedian. You know, he's never done anything wrong to me. He's fine. And Kramer knows about Mike's aspiring, you know, career. Yeah. So Kramer was scared to tell Jerry. Yeah. And, you know, Jerry made Kramer beg for uh, what he was going to say about the car. So Kramer thought he'd go one better and Jerry thought, oh, okay, fine, we'll level out. You know, because Jerry's even Steven. Everything levels out. Yep. And, yeah, it was something that Kramer regrets. He's like, I shouldn't have told him because that'll screw up Mike's career. Yeah. You know? Yeah. True. Hmm. Uh, I... Well, I don't think Kramer was concerned about Mike's career. I think he was more concerned about just saving face. Oh, probably that too. You know, yeah. being seen as the bad guy. Well, you know, like if, if someone tells you information and they're like, please don't tell anyone, 
we've we've all done it in the past. We're like, yeah, I won't tell anyone. And then you know, the next person you see, if you trust them, you're like, hey, I've got this secret. Old mate told me about it. Please don't tell them. And then next and minute, if, it's hashtagging on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, what but, the hell? But <laughs> if, if if the original teller finds out that you, the telly, have betrayed their trust, it's very embarrassing. Oh, so absolutely. you try and like mitigate that situation. So I think it was more about that for Kramer. Yeah, yeah, I think it was too. And okay, good points. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and one final point about Mike is I think uh, you know based on the fact that uh, you said he's jealous of Jerry and is trying to sort of figure out how to leverage Jerry's clout to benefit his own career. When Kramer said that they had a conversation about Jerry, I think it was more a case of Mike asking probing questions about Kramer, like you know, more, like trying to almost like uh, a bit of recon about Jerry, you know, yeah. like trying to find out more information about him indirectly so that he knows more about him so that he can use him a bit more. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and Kramer being the open and sort of unwitting guy that he is, he would have just spilled the beans. He wouldn't have realized, hang on, like, why are you asking me these questions all of a sudden? Mm-hmm. He would have just been like, oh, yeah, Jerry, you know, blah, 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 whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, I think there was a bit of an agenda in that yeah. conversation from Mike. Sounds like it. Anyway, uh, next characters uh, or character, which one you want to talk about next? Uh, let's talk about Sid. Sid, okay. Well, I don't have any notes on him. He appears in the alternate side. He's the one who uh, gives George, you know, the the keys, I guess, to the parking, you know, the parking uh, parking lot. job, yeah. parking lot, yeah. And, and George screws it up because I think Sid goes away somehow. Uh, he's, yeah, yeah, for something. He's played by Jay Brooks. Um, Sid's just the voice of reason through the whole thing. I love, I love that moment when he says to Mike. Mike goes, "Who are you?" And yes. then he goes, "I know who I am." Do you know who you are? Who are you? I yeah. think it's great. Yeah. I think he's a wonderful moment in that scene. Yeah, really no, it is good. That. It's really good. He he's seems like a real fl- stoic kind of guy. Yeah, he's yeah. just he's just cool and confident. He's yeah. just like, who the fuck are you? Like, exactly. I don't, you know, go away. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he seems to have gotten like a bit cooler. Like even though he was very uh, adept at his job in the alternate side, mm. kind of had like an air of insecurity or a bit of nervousness or something. Maybe he was just a bit flustered because George had sort of fucked up his job. Yeah, that definitely. Um, but in this one, he just seems so like collected and cool. He just comes along and he's like, hey man, like, you know, every time you park a car, you know, you the, the streets, what does he say? Everything ends up so disrupted and disjointed. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's even got like a cool jacket on. He just he does got a brown jacket. Yeah, yeah he's got yeah. like the glasses. Yeah, he just seems like he's he's cool. Like, yeah, he's a bit more like Samuel L. Jacksony. Like he's yeah, just got yeah. this like cool like yo man like you know whatever <laughs> like you just yeah yeah uh, and like you said he's the voice of reason and uh, yeah yeah he really tries to diffuse the situation of sorts yeah in a way and I think he um, you know even though we didn't see him for a long time between the alternate side and this episode. Um, he, you know, I'm I'm taking he was still a local in the neighborhood because he most of the time, unless he's talking, if he's just in the background, he's conversing with the fruit shop owner. Yeah, that's right. Um, you yep. know, so he obviously has a friendship with him because mm-hmm. they seem pretty comfortable and conversational together. Yeah. So that tells me that you know he's a he's still a local in the area, even though you don't see him. So Sid does play a small part in the episode, Steve. But I guess we can talk about him more in the alternate side when we eventually do that one, which whenever that may be. Let's talk about the mother and Matthew now. So mother was played by actress, writer, producer, and director Meredith Burrell. She has an illustrious theatre career and she's performed for various companies across the US. Oh. Uh, she's been on many TV shows, including uh, Fridays, along with Michael Richards. That's the pre-Saturday Night Live show, I believe, that we've mentioned a few times. That I think Larry David wrote for them. Okay. For that one. Uh, she's also appeared in episodes of Taxi and Dallas, two very famous American shows. Uh, she's also the mother of in the non-fat yogurt with Matthew. And Matthew's a little boy who says, fuck. Oh, you know how Jerry yeah. says, this is so fucking good, and they bleep mm. it out? That's Matthew, because um the father who's off screen, he actually 
part owns the non-fat yogurt store. Yep. So that's how they come back in. So they appear again in the non-fat yogurt. Mm. Uh, Matthew, he was played by John Christian Grass. Uh, he's primarily known as a child actor and he's received various award nominations for his work. He's pretty he good. Younger. Yeah, he's very good. Uh, he also was nominated for, I think, uh, three Young Artist Awards. So quite prestigious awards for uh, young aspiring actors. Uh, he's appeared in the films Kindergarten Cop and It's Christmas Time Again, Charlie Brown. Uh, and like his mother, he's also appeared in Non-Fat Yogurt. And like I said, he's the boy who swears. And uh, the mother thinks that uh, Jerry's a bad influence on Matthew. Mm. So there you go. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we find out in this episode that the father's going broke and has to close down the store. Um, and Jerry seems to know about it. And Jerry, I think it's kind of a symbolic as well because Jerry says to Kramer he doesn't open the vault for anything and then eventually decides to open the vault to confront Mike about being called a phony, but I think he leaves the vault door open. Oh, so, after so a few happened, things slipped out. Yeah, I think he might have been before the phony stuff, um, but Matthew comes in and then he goes, how you doing, blah, blah, blah. And then Jerry says, I hear your dad's closing the store. And then Matthew's like, what? Daddy's going out of business. Uh, you know, that sort of thing. And he's like, oh, my vault's been left open. One of my old housemates had a cat that was just indoors and sometimes, you know, like you'd always go out the door. Yeah. Uh, and very occasionally you'd forget to close it or it wouldn't close properly and it would swing open and, and every opportunity that cat would run out and you'd have to search. <laughs> I live next door to a park and you'd yeah. have to search the neighborhood. It would always be at night as well. Okay. And the cat would run into the bushes and you'd be like out there with a the torch. Yeah. That that's basically what happened to Jerry where, you know, yeah. he left the vault door open by accident <laughs> yeah. and all these other things just started <laughs> coming out. Just started coming and he's out. just like, what am I saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I- I'm guessing the father probably told Jerry of the closure of the business in confidence because yeah. not even the wife knows. You know, yeah. It's all hush-hush. I think maybe because Jerry's father is off screen, I think even in the non-fat yogurt, he's not in there either. He's an unseen character. Um, I think that the father is probably a fan of Jerry's or maybe because he works in the area, he knows Jerry and he knows Jerry's a stand-up comedian. Uh, going to Matthew, I think Matthew is also an aspiring comedian. Uh, like you know, I mean, he's a young boy, but I think when he grows up, he wants to be a comedian like Jerry. He really okay. idolizes Jerry. Hmm. You know, and I think I think it's really funny. Like I'm connecting the non-fat yogurt in this episode here, but I think he kind of wanted to do Jerry's kind of observational humor. But I think after he learned the word fuck in the non-fat yogurt, I think he become, wanted to become more like Bill Hicks. Right. So he started focusing on that more kind of blue comedy, oh. you know? Yep. Yeah. Anyway, that we'll talk about that like in the non-fat yogurt, but it's funny how Matthew's just like this innocent boy, you know, and, uh, you know, Jerry says that thing and then Matthew gets upset and then Changed the mother gets upset. Forever. Yeah. And then in the non-fat yogurt, he says, Jerry, say this is so fucking good in reference to the yogurt. <laughs> and then Matthew's just starts saying the same F word. And then that probably he's still he's still on that trajectory to become a comedian, but I think he really <laughs> he wants to do like more blue comedy. Okay, that. that's an interesting take. Interesting, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, because like I said, he does idolize Jerry and stuff as well. So yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny watching uh, Matthew. Uh, well, sorry, what's the actor's name again? Oh, the actor. His name is John. John, John. Christian Grass. Yeah, I, he's a very good child actor. Yeah, I think yeah. he did a really good job of conveying the anxiety that kids have when they get a sense that maybe things are on the rocks for their parents, like relationship-wise or financially. And it's something that I can relate to. Like in the 90s, dad uh, had his own business. Okay. And, and it went well enough. Yep. But there was always that sort of – he he worked seven days a week. And my mother, who's quite an anxious person, was always worrying about stuff. And whether, you know, intentionally or not, that anxiety flowed down to me. And I, I always remember this sort of like just this – background anxiety about oh my god dad dad's business could go under yeah and we'd be like poor or you know even though that probably wasn't reality when you're a kid you don't understand like 
well, you know, you can have a bad week or a bad month. Everything's like catastrophized. It's yeah. like, oh my god, you know, dad's I won't be business... able to get my toys anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You sort of, you, you know, I won't you jump... my video games. Yeah, you jump to those irrational yeah. conclusions. Yeah, and watching Matthew express that, even though, you know, like his dad could have just said to Jerry, oh, we've had a bad month and, you know, like just, you know, we've there's been a recent downturn or a competitor opened up the road. Yeah. And Jerry interpreted that as like, oh, you know, things aren't going so well. And if Jerry delivered that news to adult Matthew, he would have been like, oh, yeah, dad's business isn't going so well or he's thinking of closing up shop. But as a kid, you jump to that catastrophe mode and all of a sudden he's just like, what? We're going to be poor? We're not going to have a home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I could relate perfectly to that because i had that same reaction when you know things were probably okay yeah you you get like a whiff of things not being okay and all of a sudden you think you're going to be out on the street by next week yeah yeah definitely um so i could i don't know i just wanted to make a note of that even though it's not about the character i could just relate to that personally that that anxiety that matthew feels like out of nowhere yeah based on Uh, some bad news that isn't probably you know that bad, really. Yep. And I'm guessing that's how John played the character as mm, well, you know. Mm. A very anxious kid and, you know, he's about the father going out of business and he freaks out. Because, yeah. you know, when kids, you know, when kids think no money, no money, they don't think, well, besides no house, mm. he's probably thinking no toys, no video games, yep. no chocolates, no gifts, you know. It's like, shit, and I think, do? And I think a kid doesn't have the, you know, the world experience to know that, like, if you lose a job or if you have a business that goes under, it's not like, well, I can never earn money again yeah, ever. Like, it's right. just like, well, that sucks, but I can, you know, there are other ways to get money. Yeah. When you're a kid, you don't, you know, you <laughs> think, well, dad is a, you know, he's a cop. And if he's not a cop anymore, then what is he? He's nothing. Yeah, he's nothing. He's yeah. not like, oh, well, he can just go be another thing. Mm. So, yeah, I, I think he portrayed that sort of child anxiety really well. Oh, very good. Did, did, I think I don't think the mother knew about it either, did she? No. Um, or she kind of had an idea, I'm guessing, because I'd imagine the father no, think, spoke to mother about it. Yeah, I imagine yeah. so. She she never said anything that indicated that she was in shock, like yeah. like Mike. I, I, I did I think say she, I did say before that the mother didn't know, but I'm pretty sure she did. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it's not really, um, you know, it, it you don't really know either way. Yeah, yeah. but uh, I think she's just mad at Jerry for just being thoughtless. Yeah, exactly. You're like, don't don't tell a kid something like that. Like. Yeah, let us lay and bring him down gently. Yeah, that's our news to tell him. Yeah, yeah. And don't don't scare my kid like that. So yeah. I think she was just upset for Mike's anxiety. Fair really. enough. Yeah. And then Jerry upsets him again in the non-fan yoga. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. uh, anyway, a couple more characters. Uh, let's talk about the trucker. Yeah? Yeah. He's played by Michael Costanza. He's actually, as we mentioned before, a college friend of Jerry Seinfeld's. So, yeah, he said he was a typical New Yorker. Just New an York angry trucker. New Yorker. Angry New Yorker, yeah. Probably, you know, truck drivers, especially dealing with New York traffic, I imagine would always be on edge. Yeah. You, you think know? that truck was refrigerated, though? I mean, even yeah. if there was ice cream, it'd still last several hours. I don't know. Yeah. Well, he works for a company called Phil. You can just see the top of the logo. Uh, it's Phil's. I'm guessing it's Phil's ice cream. Okay. Or it probably. could have been Phil's transport. Like, yeah. you know, maybe Phil owned the transport company that was oh, used yeah. to transport the ice cream. Yeah, yeah. But if Phil is the um, the ice cream company owner, if it's called Phil's ice cream or whatever, yeah, you think maybe it's like raise your, raise your ice cream prices even by 10 cents. And then that will give you enough money to hire refrigerated trucks. Yeah. And then if your truck drivers get stu- uh, stuck in traffic from two dickheads fighting over a car park, <laughs> then there won't be an issue, you know. Which is probably more common in New York than we'd like to think. Yeah. yeah. I would imagine. If you're from New York, is is a violence and par- car parking, like, do they go hand in hand? Yeah. Send um, us an email or tweet us. Yeah, Facebook let us messages, know. Whatever. Yeah. yeah, please. I mean, road rage, road rage is a thing everywhere. Yeah. But I imagine in, in New York, especially over parking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 
Yeah, it would it would cause a lot of friction. Absolutely. Um, just a, I just got a couple more notes on uh, Sheila. She's the last secondary character I have notes on. Uh, yep. She's the lady who asks George what's going on, and then George inadvertently gets angry at her about the hat. Uh, she's played by Shannon Cochran. She's appeared in many Star Trek TV shows as well as the 2002 horror film The Ring. Um, yeah, Sheila is a very well dressed lady. Walks past, is curious as to what's going on. Signs with George, mm. and you know maybe George thinks that he's he's got an in with her. And then uh, he shows his bad side when Newman tries to weigh the hat. Yeah. 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 I think uh, she is the sort of person similar to um, the the lady that's attracted to George in the opposite, where it's just like- Victoria. Yeah. Victoria, yeah. where it's just like she is attracted, you know, she can probably interpret that maybe he's a bit of a loser. Yeah. Maybe he's not on paper very attractive, but that is what makes him attractive. Mm-hmm. But when she sees his arsehole side, she's like, well, hang on. Like, even though, <laughs> even though I find him not unattractive- I still don't want to date uh, a mean asshole sort of person. And George yells at her. Yeah, exactly. Know. So, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, the whole situation is sort of tense because of the parking spot. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. So, I I completely understand why she was like, what's wrong with you? And walks yeah, away. what's wrong with you? And walks off, yeah. yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> and he takes off his hat and he goes, see, look. And he just shows his bald head. Love yeah. It. And then I, he, I love how he just he just pushes the hat onto Newman's head. And Newman almost starts crying. <laughs> he does. He's he gets really so fearful upset. of George. I mean, so George's upset. anger is, you know, yeah, yeah. nothing you want to be on the receiving end of. Of course. But, uh, yeah, Newman is, you know, he can stick up for himself when needed. <laughs> I think it was cool as well just uh, George and Newman having their own scene. Like, it's so rare. Yeah, and you normally, don't see that too often, do you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, usually Jerry's there. It's in Jerry's apartment. But it's so rare that they even have a any sort of interaction mm. without Jerry or Kramer. Yeah, yeah. So, it was good to see them, you know, like... I, it, I think it's obvious that George has the same disdain for, for Newman. Even if that woman wasn't there and George didn't want to expose his baldness, I reckon he still would have denied Newman uh, trying off on the hat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Well, that's all the secondary characters for The Parking Space, Season 3, Episode 22. When we come back, we'll have one last break. We're going to find out where the episode sits in our top Seinfeld episodes of all time and if any of today's secondary characters make our top 20 of all time. We'll be back. What are you doing? I think I'm parking my car. You can't do that. You can't just sneak in from the back like that. I'm not sneaking. I didn't even know you were parking. You were just sitting there three spaces off. Well, if you didn't think I was parking, why did you put it in head first? Well, that's the way I park. Welcome back. Uh, where does this week's episode, The Parking Space, fit into your list of episodes we've done so far? Yeah, so we've done 100. Yes, so we've done 105 episodes, Steve. So uh, for me, number 71. Okay. So I, I actually... um. I did like some parts of the episode, but uh, I felt it was a bit weak in parts. Um, but I feel like with I feel like with Jerry, it's probably one of his worst acting performances. Mm. I think, especially at the start, where he's getting all overactory. I don't know. I just didn't really like. I do appreciate Jerry, and I like that. You know, obviously it's his show, and I understand he's not a, wasn't as great as of an actor as his counterparts. But I don't know. It just really irked me, especially like the first scene. You know, when he's all going big. In front of Kramer and stuff. I don't know. I just it just kind of irked me a little bit. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. It just was a bit of a poor acting performance for Jerry. Fair enough. I, usually I can let him slide, but no, they kind of bothered me a little bit in parts of the episode. It, it's not the main reason, but I don't know. I just like I enjoyed the um, Mike and George. You know, I enjoyed them and their conflict and stuff. But I don't know. It just seemed like an an episode that was just centered around them. Um, which, not that it's a bad thing, but yeah, it's just uh, not as strong as I remember it. Yep. I guess that's all I can say. Okay. You? Uh, I'm going to say 99. 99? Okay, so it's even lower for you. Yeah, look, I... I know know for me it's like a shitty justification for it, but, you know, it's just... It's subjective. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, The reason I really don't care much for this episode is because 
the only not that Seinfeld is an emotional show, but you know there are moments of, uh, you know, there's an emotional spectrum throughout most episodes. Yeah. But every emotion in this episode was just anger. Okay. And it just got a bit boring. Like, yeah. And then every character interaction was just like a, a a microcosm of the tension between George and Mike. Right. So the cops were like, no, no, you know, he should have parked, and the other guy was like, no, no, he should have, you know, like they were arguing. Like I understand that that was the joke that. You know the, the the disagreement flows on to just bystanders, but it just got a bit boring. Yeah. Um. You know, and George is angry at Mike. Mike's angry at George. George is angry at Mike. Except Kramer's angry at uh, Elaine and, and George. George for, yeah. for for not including him. Yeah. 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 George is angry at Newman when he asked to try and say like everyone was just angry, angry and it yeah. just it, it, I don't know it just. It, it just didn't have many dynamics, mm. I guess. It was just all anger. It was all fr- anger, and it was also, all- also deceit as well. Yeah. Like Elaine lying to Jerry, Jerry lying to Kramer, Kramer lying to Jerry. Yeah. You know, Jerry making Kramer big, and then yep. Kramer making Jerry big, you know. It's yeah. Like, very, I don't think, very repetitive. Yeah, I don't yeah. think it was a dark episode. No. Like, it didn't, it wasn't dark or, or sort of too much. It was no it strong was just, box. But there was just, there was just no, there was just no dynamics in it. It was yeah. just all anger, all frustration. Okay. And yeah. it just got a bit boring. That's a better take. It was all like at the same it. volume. Yeah. You know, like emotional volume, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. Because yeah, um, usually there's a lot of dynamics in terms yeah. of the emotions, like you said. Yeah. No, yeah. That's, that's a better take than mine. Yeah. Yeah. On the flip side, though, mm. one thing, and I think this goes against the whole philosophy of the show, no hugging, no learning. I think this is from memory the only time that you've ever seen like a genuine hug between friends. When Elaine tells the story, Jerry's like, oh my God, oh, are you okay? Yes. And he gets it. Like, it's not like a full proper embracing empathetic hug but it's like a little comforting hug that for maybe does go against for like the t- philosophy for like two seconds yeah but that's then, something yeah i mean for this show that's you know they may as well have gotten married yeah um yeah exactly yeah so i thought that that was like a you know especially against the 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 you know the rest of this episode where it's just anger and frustration it's a very interesting juxtaposition. And I could imagine in a later season if it was like a season eight or nine episode jerry wouldn't have probably hugged him no. jerry would have said like a like a remark, or I can know, also done, I, done something a bit snarky to I Elaine. Could, you know? I could almost imagine it becoming like the joke of the episode, where you know, like Jerry out of character hugs Elaine or someone, and then like, hang on, did you just hug me? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. he's like, oh my god, I'm a hugger now, and hugger becomes like the word, or yeah, you know, that's am right. I an over hugger or an yeah, under-hugger? an over hugger, under hugger, yeah, something. You like gotta that. go in with the hug. Yeah. yeah so yeah, yeah, yeah. rather it just be genuine. Uh, concern for your friend's well-being, mm. it becomes like a thing, and then they become insecure about it and go, hang mm. on, am I a hugger now? Like, but I think, to be fair, the main focus was Mike and George. Yeah. So I I, I, I think they wanted to focus too much on that. No, 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 but no. no, yeah, no. The, I'm just the, saying that if it was in any other episode, the fact that Jerry hugs would have been more of a thing, and that yeah. probably would have played out into you know Jerry's storyline. Mm, yeah. But anyway, um, yeah, one of the weakest season three episodes. I think There's so. a lot of beauties in season three. Yeah. But no, just this one, yeah, not as good as I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, well. Any secondary characters make you 20? Nah. nah. Didn't really care for Mike. Nah. I mean, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't think he's old. Even though I love angry guys, he's not old enough. No. If, if he was 30 years older, I probably would have loved him. You would have loved him, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, the only secondary character I really cared for in this episode was Sid, because I just think he was really cool. He's yeah. just like totally confident and like, hang on, who are you? Who are like, you? I know who I am. Who are you? It's who just are you? Like, he's more, in, he's more um, fleshed out in the alternate side. Yeah. So we'll talk about him for more sure. than that. Anyway, that was another episode of Bidwabask. Thank you so much for listening. As always, we do appreciate your support. Whether you have been with us since episode one or with us this week for the first time, if your friends might have told you about the podcast or whatever, or or if you've listened to us any time in between, we always appreciate your support. We always appreciate the emails, the tweets, the messages that we get from you all, from all over the world, actually. It's fantastic and uh, we do appreciate it like I said 
yeah, no, we always do. It's always a kick to, you know, hear some feedback or yeah. if people want to tell us about uh, something they like about the show or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, it's always awesome. So, yes, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, all the links are in the socials. That's right. Uh, uh, all the links are in the show notes, you mean. The links to the socials and the email link and Patreon, PayPal are all in the show notes. That's true. That's what you were trying to say. Yep. And um, you can also leave a, a review as well. I mean, if you like us a lot, you know, leave us five stars. If not so much, whatever stars you feel is reasonable. Um, but we'd like to thank Greg. He has a listener who's actually left us a review on Apple Podcasts. He left us a five-star review. The other day. Yeah, so, no, uh, I, I read that, I think, yesterday or today. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and it was really sweet. So, yeah, thank so, you, Greg. Say, so, thank you. If you want to be like Greg and other people who've reviewed us, uh, be sure to do that. Indeed. Until next week, I am Stephen. I am Ivan. And next week, we're going to season five. We're talking about the conversion. And Stephen has the Kavorka. So, this is a great one for him, I think. Yeah. I actually watched this episode, incidentally, very recently. Excellent. Um, yeah. So, I'm looking forward to it. It's a good one. The Kavorka. The Kavorka. We'll see you next week. Bye.